Hello and welcome back to another episode of That Podcast. My name is Ryan Janke and I am joined by Sarah DeYoung, Pastor DJ Lura, and today Dana Mashevsky is back. Yeah. She didn't have Yay. enough last time. She wanted to <laughs> come back again. Man, I am just slow on that. That might have to go on our pre-show checklist is to get you uh, get that in hand. I need a script. <laughs> Ryan will write one up for you. I do not do scripts. Ooh, there we go. Yes. No no teleprompter. No scripts for me. So you ever seen those? um, Remember the the movie Annie, like from nineteen eighty. Never watched it. The the first one. Not you've never seen Annie. Nope. Never. Ever. Never. Wow. So there's seemed girly to me. Well, we're just going to mute Ryan for the rest of this episode. <laughs> Little Orphan Annie beats up a bunch of kids. I mean, that you know. Yeah, no, I... no nope, picking nothing. on a dog, got, so she, she brings the thunder. But I had three channels growing up. The reason I bring it up is because <laughs> in, uh, in in the show, you have um, uh, uh, the millionaire Warbucks guy. Mm-hmm. He goes and does a commercial, and it's for radio, and they're surprised by the guy making all the, the sound effects. Mm-hmm. And I got to, I got to, I, I might need to go to radio school to mm-hmm. pick up my game okay. so that I can make all those sound effects on cue on time and no one will be the wiser and they won't know that it's my goofy little sound box. That's, that's true. Unless we start video recording this to go along with. That's a horrible idea. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Who wants to just <laughs> watch us that. sit here for an hour? Scratch that. Ryan, uh, Ryan, you may be, be good enough for video, but I have a face for podcasts. Well, so do I. So, <laughs> so do I. <laughs> I was joking with, with Mark, and I said, you know, Mark, we'll have really made it once we have a makeup artist on stage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, I Just agree. right before the sermon, you got the, like, tissues and the <laughs> collar <laughs> and powder. Where is DJ at? Huh? Still in Get the... Get touch-up. Yep. yep. <laughs> He's in wardrobe. <laughs> oh, boy. Good oh, man. Televangelist. <laughs> And just just like that, like like in March of 2020, and just like that, my pastor became a televangelist. Yep. So that's how we do. That is how we roll. What are we talking about today? We're talking about a whole. Before we start, we were talking about pizza. Do you want to talk about that again? I'd like to. I'd like to bring it up because it's a passion of mine. Um, I Pe- love pizza. So do I. I do. I love pizza a lot. I could be a teenage mutant ninja turtle. I love pizza so much. What's the best pizza you ever had? <sighs> Wow. Doesn't have to be in. That is a hard choice to make. Yeah. Pizza's just so good. Well, right? My first thought is Blackbird in downtown Fargo. Mm. I've never been there yet. But then it's like, well, the pizza's like good, but they have an appetizer and it's called a bread plate. This isn't sponsored if they want to (laughs) contact me. But it's literally just like different types of like homemade bread with different schmears and whatnot to go on it. And that's delicious. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, probably not the best pizza, but there are a lot of good pizza places around here. Mm-hmm. Um, there is, there R- is. Rhombus Guys is good. Yeah, yeah. I think mm-hmm. I had Marcos Pizza just oh. for the first time, like a couple days ago, and I thought that was that was pretty good. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're not bad. They're gluten free. Yeah, I still well, like that, Sammy's. Sammy's downtown. Probably Sammy's the only person who does going, going old school. <laughs> yeah, that is old school. So we were talking I, about. I'm not uh, saying it's my favorite. Dana and I come from come from the rural part of. Fargo, I mm-hmm. guess. <laughs> the Fargo like suburbs. Red River Valley. <laughs> Red River Valley, yeah. And uh, at least for me, p- part of my childhood was getting to go to Valley City every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Or Mayville, too. They had a good pizza place in Mayville. I 
the pizza shop. Pizza shop. Um, but they had, uh, I, I got the name wrong last time. It, pizza what, Corner. Pizza Corner Pizza. Mm-hmm. And it, I remember as a kid, I can still remember what it tastes like as a kid. And I was saying that, you know, I'd been gone for so long, a couple decades, mm-hmm. that I came back and Pizza Corner Pizza was in the grocery store. And I was like, aha, mm-hmm. great. Finally, uh, the rest of the world's figuring it out. They changed the recipe. They, they did. Mm-hmm. It's not the same. not the same. I don't know if we want to get go down that road. <laughs> <laughs> they did. They did change yeah. the recipe. It was met with. Uh, no one was happy about disdain it. Disdain and derision it around was, here. It was. Yeah, it was very really comparable was. to when Twinkies said that they were going out of business. Mm. Like, like it was the same amount not... of outcry and. Is that right? Oh yeah. Wow. It, 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 uh, I don't know that it came with quite the fury as, uh, when you couldn't find any more, uh, diet Dr. Pepper cherry. <laughs> uh, but but speaking, speaking of the, uh, the, uh, eminent, uh, Reverend Dr. Cross mm-hmm. who loves, uh, uh, that very niche, uh, Dr. Pepper. Um, I'm curious at how much he has hoarded over, over the years. I, you know, I, I don't know. I, well, would he be able to hoard it? Well, I don't, if he had it, would he be able to, I don't think we would know about it. I think it might be in a, like, he'll let us know about his library. He has Mm -hmm. this amazing library of books, but I think he might have like a safe room just loaded from (laughs) top to bottom. Dr. Pepper cellar. I'm just imagining like in SpongeBob, they had like a Krabby Patty safe that was just Mm -hmm. Krabby Patty stacked from floor to ceiling. (laughs) That's what Paul has at home, I'm guessing, but it's Diet Dr. Pepper Cherry. Mm -hmm. I just imagine a wall of like just vending machines, but it's all just. That's your whole Which one you go to. Could be right. Yeah. Um, We got to give him a treat sometime and have that in the mystery label in the the pop machine. But you can't get it anymore? Like they don't make it anymore? Well, well, we no, you can you you cannot get that, but it's because they replaced it with uh, Dr Pepper Cherry Zero Sugar. Oh, okay, yeah. and that I think is popping up around town. But he did a video that's on on the Atonement Facebook page. He did a taste test, and and what was his conclusion? Well, I'm is not he, gonna I'm not gonna spoil it. You're gonna have to oh, go watch gotta it. go check it out yourself. Yeah, mm-hmm. we went through all the trouble of of recording it. You can and catch he's TikTok famous now. Yeah. 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 <sighs> yep. Wow. So cool. uh, the, the pizza thing, one more. Th- I got to tell this story because it's the first thing I think of now anytime the subject of pizza comes up. Have I told you my, my New York City uh, uh, Penn Station pizza story? No, no, you have not. You told me. Yeah, I told Dana. So we were in New York City a couple of years ago prior to the pandemic. And uh, we were in Penn Station in the subway, and there was a pizza joint there. So we thought, well, let's get some pizza. So we go in there, and we order our stuff, and we're waiting. And um, it's like, a, it's like a, a food court down there, you know. So you've, it's like a little walk-in area for the pizza joint. And it's typical what you'd think of. You know, they, they've got the, the sneeze guard there, and you can watch them put the pizza together. Behind them is the oven. And then they have the little hot cases, you know, the 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 what do you call it the like the spinny case the, the, the little spinny case yeah, yeah. Like so cases yeah yeah right so they've got that so this guy behind the counter i mean he's moving he's slinging pizzas and and putting on the pepperonis and just going gangbusters back mm-hmm. there because it's busy so we're waiting for our pizza 
And he takes a pizza, and I don't remember. I will just say it was a cheese pizza, right? He takes this pizza, and he's getting it out of the out of the oven. And while he's doing that, here comes this guy dressed in a suit, and he's got tennis shoes on. And behind him, he's pulling his like little little rolling suitcase, you know, or a rolling briefcase, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So this guy comes walking in, and the guy behind the counter is just slinging. And he takes this pizza, he tosses it, cuts it all up, and he puts it in the spinny case. So in the meantime, this guy that's walking up gets up to the counter, and he says, I want a cheese pizza, and a slice of cheese pizza. So the guy behind the counter says, okay. So he pays for it, and he grabs the pizza out of the case. And the guy says, the customer says, I want it heated up. And the guy behind the counter says, I just took it out of the oven. And the customer guy says, I want it heated up. And the guy behind the counter says, I just took it out of the oven. And the guy, the, the, the guy in the suit says, I want that pizza heated up. And the, and the guy behind the counter says, whatever. Throws his hands up and puts it in the microwave, heats it up. And then he gives it to the guy. And the customer guy in the suit, for the next probably four minutes, he's blowing on the pizza because it's too hot to put in his mouth. And I'm looking around going, welcome to New York City, I guess. So I wish I'd have been recording it because it would have been gold. So so was that your first experience with New York style pizza? And do you know how to eat a slice of New York style pizza? Yeah, I looked around before to make sure I didn't make a fool of myself. Do it like everybody else? Yeah. yeah. Do you guys know how to eat New York style pizza? You fold it, don't you? You have to. Yep. You have to get the grease to stay right oh. in the middle so it doesn't drip out. You know, this isn't... So. Yep closely related at all but just the other day on facebook i saw that pop murphy shared that you can take their pizzas and then roll them and then bake it and make like pizza pinwheels cool yeah so i'm excited to do that well and you know i i we can't i'm glad you mentioned papa murphy's because papa murphy's is a is like a like a stay in our house it's like Mm. you know if but what my kids really like is not the pizza so much, but the cookie dough. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Cookie dough and breadsticks. Yep. yep. The, yeah. the cookie dough. That's where it's at, for sure. <laughs> but if we're going to talk about pizza in, in Fargo, we got to mention... Um, <laughs> what's it called? The, the, the taco pizza. Oh, Happy Joe's. It's, it's, Happy Joe's. Yep. So exciting. Man, so exciting. You forgot Cut. the name. Cut. Let's start over. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Take Happy two. Joe's. Scrap the whole thing. My wife lived in North Fargo growing up, and that's was the other Happy Joe's location. It's not there anymore. Nope. But that was their place to go. Um, they didn't go out to eat very often, but they wanted, the, the kids would want to go to Happy Joe's and have taco pizza. Taco pizza and breadsticks. Their cheese breadsticks are top-notch. Yeah. I don't know if I was ever at that location. Did they did they have all the games and everything, like the one in South? I don't think so. I don't think okay. so. It, it was much more, it had much more of a Pizza Hut feel. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I love me the hut, too. Because so. the the one on South U, um, that one's got all the games and yeah, oh it's yeah, fun. Yeah, get the tickets. Well, it's kind of fun now with my kids that like um, I got to take my kids to Happy Joe's, and it just it's just kind of one of those neat little things of mm-hmm. this is something that your mom did when she was a kid. Now you mm-hmm. guys get mm-hmm. to do it. Yeah. Yeah. What about Showbiz Pizza Place or what they what what they call nowadays Chuck E. Cheese? What do you think of the pizza at, at Chuck E. Cheese? Well, have you seen the they Chuck have E. Cheese beer. theory? They have beer? Yeah, they yeah, have they beer. Why, beer. Why else would dads <laughs> go there? Kids get to have fun. What about the adults? 
You got to keep the parents from losing their minds somehow. Yeah. <laughs> Did you say Chuck E. Cheese theory? Yeah, there's a pizza theory because apparently none of their slices are ever like, it never looks like somebody cut, cut a straight line. Yeah. So apparently people on the internet think that Chuck E. Cheese just takes leftover uneaten pizza. So it's like, okay, we eight slices <laughs> to make a large pepperoni and they just remake smush the- them together. Pizza. Dana knows what I'm talking yeah, about. Yep. Well, <laughs> the, I'm never, thing. I'm never eating a yeah. Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> I don't know that this but would surprise me, to be quite honest. No, Chuck E. Cheese no. always though just makes me think of in Sioux Falls when I was growing up. There was a place called Gigglebees mm-hmm. that was sounds even more horrible. <laughs> like, that sounds God, terrifying. It's a, it's a creepy. Like looking back now, it used to ha- they used to have animatronic like mascots on bicycles that was huge in the early like, 80s oh yeah and it would they would bike around and like bring your pizza and if it was like your birthday you it would sing to you and <laughs> it's probably a nightmare for some people but t- it makes me feel nostalgic well and no. i remember as a kid i want to say it was like my first or second birthday no first grade or second grade birthday sorry <laughs> not one or two like i don't know when you turn like seven there's too much energy of children to confine to a small space well we drove we drove the two hours to fargo just to go to at the time it was called showbiz pizza place and i still just I, that whole experience is just embedded in my brain mm. and so I got to take Addie, I want to say it was to like her fourth or fifth birthday. We took, we took her to a Chuck E. Cheese and whatever, wherever we were living. She was terrified of that mouse. <laughs> Scarred for life. Oh, yeah. I, it, it, yes. Mm-hmm. Like never again. Um, wherever, wherever that guy would go, she would go in the opposite direction. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the games are different too. It used to be video games. Now I just think all the games are designed to teach kids to gamble could be yeah. put in a quarter you get you get a bunch of uh, you know if you mm-hmm. if you hit the right button or do the mm-hmm. right thing then you get more tickets mm-hmm. yeah. to then get some like pencil shavings or something yeah <laughs> for 150 get a really tickets. nice eraser <laughs> right yep. down to the chiclets like in the jerk <laughs> <laughs> oh man i love pizza so I don't think pizza was any sort of a segue into what we're actually talking about today. Not at all. Nope, not really. No, maybe it's just it's near lunchtime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that could be. That could be. So, uh, Sarah, I'll let you take it away because you got you got a dandy for us to yeah, start with. I I just I think it's a good question to ask because I feel like it never really gets talked about. And what sparked this is, um, my coworker at CCRI we were talking about faith because he's just starting to kind of get into Bible study and all of that. Excuse me. And he was talking about how his Bible study mentor had, has been encouraging him to, you know, maybe it's a good idea to step back on his uh, anti-depression and his anti-anxiety medication because you have to be fully sober for the Holy Spirit to enter, you know, your mind and your heart. And my immediate reaction, this was like, "Mm, nope, I don't like that. Don't do that. Don't, nope. Run the other direction. Right, right. So I was like, you know what? This is a good question. I think we need to talk about. I need to one ask DJ and yeah, and then also bring up on the podcast to talk through. Okay, so I would I would put it like this: um, Do we sometimes need helpers in order to be able to read the Bible? Mm-hmm. What what? Just looking around this room at all four of us, do any of us have some type of medical device that we use in order to read the Bible? Look, yeah, just just look around at all four of us. Yeah. What yeah. do we all have that without them, it would make it more difficult for us 
to read the Bible yep. and hear the word of God. Glasses. Mm-hmm. Technically, I don't need mine, but. Well, it's still good to wear them. <laughs> but it helps. <laughs> See, here's the thing about, about Bible study. The Bible is the word of God. Plain and simple, right? Um, for those uh, who can't see what I'm doing, I'm holding my Bible closed. And it's the Word of God. It's a nice Bible. Mine's a fancy The Lutheran Study Bible from Concordia Publishing. The. The yep. Lutheran Study Bible from Concordia Publishing. Um, and it's fancy. It's got it's got the nice kind of leather-bound casing, and I can set it on my, on my, on my, on my shelf. It's the Word of God. But it's not the word of God for me until I take it down, open it up, and start to read it. And then what happens is what we talked about a couple weeks ago, scriptura sacra sui ipsius interpretus, my favorite phrase, uh, Luther's understanding of the interpretation of of the Bible, that scripture interprets you. Mm -hmm. Um, And the mistake that we make is to think that with our own biases and our own prejudices, we're going to stand over scripture and tell scripture what it means. Mm -hmm. If you read it with a faithful heart saying, Holy Spirit, I may not understand what I'm hearing this time, but, but give me wisdom to understand it. Enlighten me by the word. What ends up happening is that we don't stand over scripture. The more we read it, the more we find scripture standing over us, interpreting us. Mm -hmm. And so anything that helps you get into the word of God and to be able to read it, is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I need glasses to be able to read. Without my glasses, I cannot read well at all. Mm-hmm. I, I can, I can, I can barely get by. Like I can, I can read a little bit, but after a while, it's just it's too much of a strain. And what's going to happen is I'm going to close the Word of God. Medications, and this is this is different than like recreational. Um, like alcohol or, or using drugs in a, mm-hmm. in a non-specific way, but meds mm-hmm. are given that are basically helpers for our brains mm-hmm. when we have certain um, chemical imbalances because all of us have, we're all made different ways and we have different, different hormone levels that affect us in one way or another. And, and anxiety is a very real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Depression is a very real thing. Mm-hmm. Manic depressive disorder is a very real thing. And a lot of that has to do with our, our chemical makeup. And so in this day and age, and it gets better all the time, you can take a helper, which helps to balance that out so that you can clearly open the scriptures and read them. Mm-hmm. It's basically like a, a modern marvel that, that God has given given insight and all the, the the things of nature that are needed to make medicines that basically allow the blind to see. Mm-hmm. I mean that figuratively, not literally in this case, mm-hmm. because you're talking about someone who has chemical imbalances that mm-hmm. when those are out of whack, he is not able to clearly focus on the word of God. Um, and and to make the the argument that well, you're not really going to get into it until you get off of that stuff. To me, is saying you're going to put the Lord to the test. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of what I hear because that would be like me saying, "Well, I'm not going to read my Bible till I can read it without my glasses." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that seems like an unfaithful thing to do because God has given the knowledge, the expertise, um, the the technology that allows us to have glasses for my specific eye disorder. Right. Um, and it's it would be the same thing with that stuff too. 
I, I, I think it's coming from a good place from this person's um, Bible mentor. I just, I, I don't think the Bible mentor is really understanding what's going on with the person. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause yeah. you know, I mean, you can make the same argument that if you're reading the Bible, when you have clothes on, you're really not letting the Holy spirit <laughs> or if you're, or if you're, work on you. if you're reading it in English, or if you're, yeah. yeah, if you're not reading it in Greek and Hebrew and really trust in the Holy Spirit to mm-hmm. break that in. And, and that's, that's an error that speaks to, well, I, I would see it as putting the Lord to the test, but not, not trusting that God gives us things in our daily life, but only acts in supernatural ways. Mm-hmm. So yeah. does that answer yeah. your question? I think so. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Speaking of controversy, should we move on to our next topic Yes. Topic du jour. Sure. I like to speak in, in different languages too. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Speaking in tongues. Oh mm. my. The soup du jour. Mm. That sounds good. What is that? I'll the soup some, of the day. I'll have some of that. <laughs> uh, no, Ryan. No, Dana, you're you're stuck. <laughs> So we talked earlier about uh, going through and talking about controversial Bible verses. No, the Bible's not controversial. Isn't it? Oh, no. Well, never mind. Hit record. <laughs> and thanks for being here. Riveting. Blah, blah, blah. The end. Why do you See th- you next time. You ever wonder about that? Like, like why people find the Bible controversial? I would say because they do not have a full understanding of the complete work of the Bible. Sure. You know? Well, it's kind of like, like, um, I, I'm not an electrician and I don't understand how electricity works. So for me, it's magic. <laughs> so when things it's just sh- happen, it's like, Hmm, how it, did that happen? It, is it shocking? Oh, <laughs> yeah. bum, bum. Uh, muted. Wait, wait, wait. For, yep. There we go. There's gotta be. <laughs> Ryan's now muted for the next three <laughs> seconds for that joke. <laughs> there you go. You're back. <laughs> Okay, what now? <laughs> so what we're going to look at uh, today is a couple, what would be considered controversial uh, uh, verses in the Bible, right? Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. let's do that. What's All right. the first one you got? Uh, the first one that I have is, ooh, I do not permit a woman. Th- oh, okay, I should, I suppose. So what's the, the verse? First, first Timothy 2.12. Now this comes from a ranker dot com article so i don't know which version they're using here so i don't know if we want to uh, well, why don't i read it in the esv sure that's the the lang- the the translation that jesus uses sure All um first right. timothy 2 12 i do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man rather she is to remain quiet that wasn't a good whistle i tried to whistle there we go. Yeah, that's not bad. I got too close to the microphone, I think. What do you think? Mm. Context. Mm-hmm. Ah, you hit the nail on the head, my friend. Context, context, context. When reading the Bible, I'm going to give, I'm going to, uh, we'll get back to this, but I'm going to give five simple um, tools in your toolkit in order to read the Bible and understand what the Bible is saying, especially when you hit controversial texts like this. Okay. Mm -hmm. The first point, the Bible proclaims Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. 
That's that's where we go. Now, now it's like concentric circles. There's there's all kinds of nuance and stuff outside of that, but the main message from Genesis to Revelation is Jesus. It's pointing and proclaiming Jesus Christ for you. That's the point. Mm-hmm. It's got it's got it's kind of like a good a good um, think of it kind of like a good TV show. You got the main plot, but then there's side plots too, mm-hmm. and there's all kinds of side plots. But the overall story is about God revealing Himself, the revelation of God in His Son Jesus Christ, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Okay, pointing to Jesus. Point number one. Keep that in mind. Pointing to Jesus. How does this point to Jesus? Is a good way to look at any text. Mm-hmm. How does this point to Jesus? Is it literal? Is it figurative? Is it is it is it happening in a certain time and place? And does it build on the overall story? Okay, mm-hmm. that's that's where we got into the point of context, which mm-hmm. is the next point that I would say. Scripture has a plain sense meaning. Okay. Okay. In other words, it means what it says. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not. It's not trying to trick you. It's not trying to be. Um, um, uh, have a double meaning for the most part. It's the biggest thing is, is discerning is the plain sense meant to be figurative or literal. Like for example, um, when you read a newspaper, does anyone read a newspaper anymore? No. no Ever heard of this? So. Back in the old days, we had this thing <laughs> called newspapers. You could take silly putty and, uh, and I had to ask Ryan to find me a newspaper. That's like true. A couple months ago, because I couldn't find one. Isn't that sad that for the Gen X generation, the thing we remember best about newspapers is silly putty, <laughs> and for the millennial generation, they're like, "What is a newspaper? Uh, what? Where do you find one?" Did you guys ever do arts and crafts as a kid? Usually, there was newspaper. Yeah, but also all it makes me think of is like the spy kits that you used, you used to be able to buy with like the eyes cut out so you could <laughs> <laughs> pop them up and still spy on people. Uh, all right. Well, listen, <laughs> back in the day in a newspaper, you had different sections of the newspaper and usually the front section had the main story. Mm-hmm. And when you read the main story, the context of it made clear to you that this is a literal event. This is literal. You ever read the funny pages? Mm-hmm. Also in the newspaper, when you read the funny pages, when you read about the Peanuts gang or you read about um, the guy in the office who, you know, has the tie that goes, Dilbert. Dilbert. The far side was one I always loved. Is Snoopy literal? Is that a literal person or is it figurative? Figurative. It's figurative. Snoopy does not actually exist outside of imagination. And yet, is there truth revealed in... The funny pages. When you read Dilbert, I mean, how many of us have that person in the workplace who always walks around holding a cup of coffee and never does anything, right? Or you look... Is that a <laughs> shot at me? <laughs> no, it's not. It's it's one of those things that it's just kind of like a given, like, oh yeah, this this pertains to me. I, I get this, even though it's a, it's a farce. Or like the boss has his hair as horns in Dilbert. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yep. The point being is that, or, 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 you know, poor Charlie Brown, uh, he can never get that kite to fly. (laughs) How many times have we felt that way? There's truth Mm -hmm. being revealed, Mm -hmm. even though it's not literal, it's meant to be figurative. The Bible's the same way. There are times that it's meant to be literal. Mm -hmm. And then it's important to understand, as Martin Luther would say, it's a, it's the literal word of God, but is it the literal word of God for you? In other words, the context will also reveal, is this a word that God gave to a people a long time ago, or is it a word that's given to me today? Mm -hmm. 
So it's understanding the plain sense of scripture, not trying to find a hidden meaning, but what does it say in its clearest sense? Is it literal? Is it figurative? And who is it talking to? Is it meant to be talking to DJ in the 21st century in North America? Or is it meant to be talking to the Hebrews in 1446 BC, Mm -hmm. 3,500 years ago? Right. Where things were a little bit different. They, I mean, they, they still had, you know, America Online dial-up. Mm-hmm. They, they didn't have right. the, yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they had movies on VHS. They didn't have streaming. Beta. So, <laughs> often when we look at scripture, our, our entire worldview is limited to our own lifetime. Mm-hmm. And we can very easily impose that on events historically that are older than that or on writings of cultures that are older than that. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing about the word of God is that the word of God is timeless, but as Martin Luther said, is it a word for you in this day and age, or was it a word for a different people at a different time that helps to point to the proclamation of Jesus Christ, which is the timeless message of scripture. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So scripture uh, proclaims Jesus. Scripture proclaims a plain sense. Uh, scripture, as I mentioned before, interprets itself and you. If you read one part of scripture that seems really hard and difficult, keep reading. Read the entire point, not just one verse out of context. Um, you can pull anything out of yeah. out of context and make it say whatever you want it to say. Yep. But is that being honest to listening to what scripture says? Well, no, it's not. You need to read the entire context. Often people will, will point to Paul and say, well, Paul says this, like in first Timothy, right? Mm-hmm. Well, have you read the whole letter? Cause there's more than just that in the whole letter, which gives the context as to what he is describing. Mm-hmm. Um, so scripture will interpret itself. And if you find something difficult to read, keep reading. And again, it also goes to that issue of time. If scripture interprets itself and the old Testament says, you shall not eat, Shellfish. Bacon. Yep. Shellfish. Lobster. In the New Testament, it says, do not call anything that I have created unclean. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what is the word for Ryan and DJ and Dana and Sarah in the 21st century? Is it the word that was given in 1446 BC? Or is it the word that was given to Peter after the resurrection and the start of the new church? after 30 AD. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, uh, time would tell you that this is the word. The, mm-hmm. the word is, do not call unclean what I call clean. Right? Yep. And it's not out of the ordinary. Even the Old Testament, in, in Genesis, God says, you shall eat only plants. Mm-hmm. They weren't even allowed to eat meat until after the flood. Mm-hmm. Right? So, yep. I mean, God is continually speaking in order to reach the revelation of Jesus Christ. And as scripture says, that is the final revelation. Mm -hmm. Jesus, you're not going to get more to the story. (laughs) (laughs) Hey guys, I want to take a minute to highlight a great organization you should know about. The Next Step ND. Abuse, abandonment, poverty, and neglect leave thousands of people hopeless after being trafficked. After shelter care, these victims have a long road ahead of them. Once on their own, many experience depression, suicidal thoughts, and are vulnerable to entering the sex industry again. For most, safe employment and higher education remain out of reach. Without an advocate, there is little hope for them. 
The Next Step ND is here to bridge the gap and meet the needs of those who have been trafficked or have been affiliated with human trafficking and are looking for long-term healing and restoration. To learn more about The Next Step ND or how you can support the work they do, visit thenextstepnd.org or check them out on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube by searching The Next Step ND. And now, back to the show. It's through faith in Jesus Christ in which you are saved. There's nothing more that needs to be done. There's no ordinance that needs to be kept. As culture changes, it's recognizing what is faithful to the word of God and what isn't. Like, is there any word from God that either um, um, commands or um, re, uh, condemns the driving of a car? Just not a Prius. Right. Oh, I'm sure it's in there somewhere. Don't you, that, thou shalt drive whatever you want except for a Prius. Prius. Um, the the point is is that you can look at those things and be like, well, there's neither a commandment nor nor is it forbidden mm-hmm. for certain things. Right. Other things, it's like kind of a no brainer. It's like okay, well, um, it's it's wrong to to enter into you know prostitution. Mm-hmm. Um. Why? Because of violations of, of the Ten Commandments, which is um, not a, a specific command uh, in one way, but, it, but the Ten Commandments are kind of like the basics on which all other laws are built. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, the ethical point is to say what helps rather than harms my neighbor, mm-hmm. what gives God glory rather than denies God's glory. Um, what builds up loving God and loving people? And that's how you measure, you know, what is good for me and what isn't, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so that's allowing scripture to interpret itself. And the more you read it, you find it's interpreting you. And this gets us to the fourth point. Scripture proclaims law and gospel. Scripture is constantly speaking to us and interpreting us by either convicting us of our sins so that we would turn from our sinful selves stop staring at our own belly button and turn back to God and ask for forgiveness and be reconciled to him. Mm-hmm. So it's always speaking two words, law and gospel. The law says, this is how I want you to treat your neighbor. And in and of yourself, you are a sinner in need of a savior. Those are the two uses of the law. And you don't get to choose which use you hear. They're both active all the time. So when you hear something like, um, uh, you shall not murder. Mm-hmm. Well, what is God saying to you? On one hand, he's saying you're to to treat your neighbor in such a way that you don't murder them. And they're to treat you in such a way that they don't murder you, right? That's a good rule. Yep. On the other hand, are there times that I hate my neighbor? Are there times that I want my neighbor to experience harm? When those moments happen, like if you've ever driven on the I-5 freeway uh, between Washington and California... Um, <laughs> You, you might have some pretty horrible thoughts in your in your head and in your heart for your neighbor who's who's obviously driving in a much more dangerous fashion than you are. My point being is that the second use of the law reveals to us that we are sinners and are not perfect, even in keeping the law. Mm-hmm. We can keep the outward actions of the law by not murdering my neighbor while in my heart desiring their death, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so what does that reveal to us? It reveals to us that we're sinners in need of a savior. How to treat your neighbor, we need a savior. Those are the two uses of the law. Mm -hmm. The point of that is to push you to where you receive 
a kind and loving and gracious God, where you enter into a right relationship with God, where you keep the first commandment by having faith in God, where God chooses to be revealed, which is in his son, Jesus Christ. Outside of Jesus Christ, you will not find God to be gracious. In fact, we will see God as wrathful, kind of like like Bruce Almighty in the movie where everything bad happens and he's like, why God? Mm-hmm. Outside of Jesus, we cannot tell the difference between God and the devil. That's Martin Luther. Mm-hmm. But in Jesus, there we find good news. We find a loving God whose kind heart is turned toward us in mercy, peace, and relationship. And there we can find a God who loves us and whom we can love. So the law and the gospel are constantly working on us. And they can even work on us in the same verse. And the example I like to use is, again, the Ten Commandments where God says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. That always bothered me. Jealousy is a bad thing, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But it says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the iniquity of the parents upon the children <laughs> to the third and fourth generation. And then it goes on, though, and it says, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation, which if we remember our talk, is that figurative or literal? Often in the Old Testament, the number thousand is figurative. It means completing or mm-hmm. forever. The point being, I would hear that and I would hear nothing but law jealousy. You better not. And this is what the law sounds like. You better not. You're going to get it. Oh, just wait till your dad gets home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And if the first 10 commandments don't get you, the 11th one will, which is what would the neighbors think? <laughs> right. Yep, yep. And it's, it's limiting us. It's pointing out, uh Oh, don't you? That's what the law does. It hinders sin and evil. Well, I would hear that as the law convicting me. I, the Lord, your God, I'm a jealous God punishing until one day I heard it as gospel. And this was a real surprise for me. I'm listening, I'm, I'm reading scripture, and all of a sudden, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. God is jealous for you. Mm-hmm. Not in spite of you, but for you. Mm-hmm. And even when you look at like punishing the iniquity to the third and fourth generation, well, first of all, God is God. And you're not. And so everything ultimately is in God's hands. And that's why a lot of people get angry with God because they don't like their circumstances or whatever they may be. But if you think about it in a, in just kind of a practical way, if my grandpa or my great grandpa was an alcoholic Mm -hmm. and had done harm to my grandparents when they were kids or my great grandmother or whatever, would that have a, an effect on me in the fourth generation? Hmm. Yes, it would. Mm-hmm. If nothing else, of just being aware of, mm-hmm. well, this may very well be a place where alcohol could easily become a problem for me, mm-hmm. right? Um, well, that's to the third and fourth generation. The consequences of the action can continue on generationally. But at the same time, God shows mercy to the thousandth generation of those who love him and keep his commandments, which means God is forever faithful to bring back to him those who turn from him. Mm. Okay. So that's, that's the first four points. Law and gospel is constantly working on you, interpreting you to be faithful to Jesus, convicting you of your sins and forgiving you through the gospel, through the promise of Jesus. Okay. It's a constant thing. It never goes away. It's always working on you when you read scripture. The fifth one is to understand that the Holy Spirit uses scripture to work on you. Mm -hmm. That 
where you go when you open the Bible is to start with, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to hear in this? What are you going to enlighten me with? And trusting that the Holy Spirit is working through Scripture. So if you start with those five kind of tools in your toolkit, you can then dig into any of these controversial texts and get a better sense as to what it's saying. All right. I said a lot there to get us back to First Timothy 2, 14? Uh, 12. 12. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think about that? I'll defer. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it says I should remain quiet. So, um, <laughs> back at you, Ryan. <laughs> That's right, Ryan. You're really the only one who's allowed to speak yeah. in this conversation. According to this. If you're taking this literally mm-hmm. as a universal law, Mm-hmm. For all time and all places. Right. This Sarah and is I not. break that law all the time. Yep. <laughs> Let me share with you a little strategy based on those things that I mentioned. Do you remember the five principles, the, the five tools? Name, name some of them, and let's see if we can work through this text. How does it point to Jesus? How does it point to Jesus? Right. Mm-hmm. So what is the goal that's being set here? Silence. Paul is, Paul is putting a limit on women speaking in church mm-hmm. for what purpose? Teaching. Teaching, but teaching what? Authority. Maybe. Mm-hmm. What, what is being taught? What is the message that is trying to be conveyed? Not teaching the Bible? Is that what? Yeah, it, it's, it's teaching the gospel. It's teaching yeah. faith in God, and he's saying women... Uh, hold your horses, mm-hmm. right? Okay. So the point is what best proclaims the gospel so that you can experience the love of Jesus Christ. And I'm just going to use this as a nuanced point. Do you think it is for the sake of the gospel and to spread the gospel if we sent nothing but women preachers to Iran to preach. I don't know that that would fly. Wouldn't go over too well. well. Why? Because uh, they they are. Um, what's the it's, what's the word I'm looking for? It's sort of like a know your audience thing. Bingo. Yeah, it, it, because it would not spread the gospel; it would hinder it. There are times to push against. Uh, the sinful structures of humanity, mm-hmm. and there are times not to. And if you read Paul's letters, in certain churches, like in Rome, he lifts up women as not only preachers and pastors, but also prophets and apostles. Mm-hmm. That's in Romans. Then in other churches, like in the church in Corinth or in his letters to Timothy, he says two things that people kind of flip over in, in Corinth, in the Corinthian letters. First, he tells men, shut up. <laughs> and then later on, he tells women, shut up. <laughs> Equal opportunity. But people yeah. get caught up on the women part because, you know, I mean, women's suffrage and the equality of women is a value that is enshrined in, in the founding of this country, but wasn't realized until like a hundred and what, 20 years ago? with women's suffrage, and it's still been an issue of of bringing about equal rights for women, even in a place like the United States, to say nothing about other parts of the world where the limits on women is much, much, much greater. Mm-hmm. 
when the gospel breaks out, you find that Paul is not someone who honors the institutional structures of his time, the systemic structures of his time, um, nor does he dishonor them. What he will do has to do everything with proclaiming the gospel to bring in the new heaven and the new earth where all of these structures that are tainted by sin are no longer relevant. Mm -hmm. And so he will work within those structures such as be the best citizens of Rome you can possibly be. Well, why is that? For the sake of the gospel. Limit yourself. Why? For the sake of the gospel. You can eat you can eat you know bacon sandwiches till you're blue in the face but if someone else sees that and thinks oh Christians are unclean because they're not at a point to hear the gospel then don't eat those bacon sandwiches. Mm-hmm. If a woman preaching in church breaks down and attacks the cultural mores of an area in such a way that it's harmful rather than helpful well then women be quiet in church. It would be the reverse in Paul's directive if like <laughs> the if you're preaching to the Amazons, are you going to send a man? No. <laughs> no. In Corinth, there was a very specific issue that was going on. Now, what you guys don't know about Corinth, and I'm, I'm using that with Timothy here, because Timothy was sent to be a pastor in Corinth after Paul was there. So First and Second Corinthians, I read those. He talks about Timothy coming next. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be in Corinth that Paul has this issue with women preaching. Well, why is that? You ever heard of the term um, valley girl? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's a valley girl? Think think about it. What, what does that mean? And try to clean it up. Like please. A, a ditz, yeah. right? A ditz yeah. or like um, bimbo. Yeah, gag me with a spoon, right? <laughs> that that kind of stuff from the eighties. There was a phrase in the ancient world about Corinthian girls, and it it very much has the feel of like Las Vegas. Like what stays, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Mm-hmm. It was not a a. It was not a term of honor to call someone a Corinthian girl. Um, I think of like that song from the Pet Shop Boys, West End Girls. Maybe it's mm-hmm. something like that. But it, it's just, it's got this, this term of uh, if you want to have a good time, call a Corinthian girl. Mm-hmm. In Corinth was the temple of Aphrodite. Okay. Aphrodite is the Greek goddess of love. However, in the ancient world, love has different meanings than it does in the United States today. They actually differentiated between different kinds of love. And you could ultimately say that Aphrodite was the goddess of physical lusts, um, physical relations. And there was a practice in the temple of Aphrodite. First of all, only women were the preachers. And every woman, including the queen of the city, because they were nation states for the most part, mm-hmm. had to, at some point in their lifetime, go to the temple and allow any man who paid for them to go and sleep with them as a sacrifice to the goddess. Now, in the Roman times, the goddess Aphrodite was known as the goddess Venus. And if you think about like modern culture, we are um, we we have the heritage of Western culture, which had this kind of Greek and Roman in uh, uh, resurgence in in the Middle Ages and then into the Renaissance, basically the the 1300s through the 1600s, 
of art, you know, emulating, you know, these, these ancient things. Um, the practice was exactly as I put it, that to honor the goddess, you had to basically prostitute yourself mm-hmm. and that this was being preached. So what do you do for the church in Corinth for hearing the gospel? You limit certain things so as not to be associated with the cult of Aphrodite, mm-hmm. which was the biggest church in town, basically. One of those being women. Don't talk in church because it's confusing people in the sense that we are part of the temple of Aphrodite because in most other places, women were not the primary speakers mm-hmm. in any culture, period. But in, in other places, in other house churches, Paul lifts up women who have the gift of preaching. I mean, the first preachers of the gospel were women. Mm-hmm. So to say otherwise is just being silly. But what's going on is not a... a and, and so this is, this is where I talk about understanding the context. Mm-hmm. Understand the context. Understand that scripture interprets itself, that this is not an, an, an eternal rule laid across all generations, but it has to do with preaching of the gospel. There are places where women preachers are much more effective than men preachers for preaching the gospel. Mm -hmm. There are places where they are not. And um, the lack of rights, the lack of equality between men and women is as old as time. And so what is the scriptures doing? It's not overturning those things that to us would be seen as, well, that's just... That's just masochistic and, you know, uh, misogynistic and other all kinds of istics, you know, bad stuff. Mm-hmm. S- Scripture is not even thinking in those terms because it's not thinking when it was written down. It wasn't thinking about what readers 2000 years in the future would think. It's actually because of these things in the scriptures that we're at a point where there is equality between men and women. At least there mm-hmm. should be. And there should not be a systemic inequality. Right because it's contrary to what we believe. And that comes out of scripture. Gotcha. So does that help to understand this text? Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah. Paul is speaking to Timothy, who's going to Corinth to be the pastor of this church that he's already written at least three letters to. We have two in, and in those letters, he just rips them a new one up and down <laughs> because they're, they're going this way, that way, and the other way, trying to, to be holier than thou. And at the same time, to acquiesce to the culture around them. Yeah. Because, hey, you know, my, my buddies at the marketplace are all going over to the temple of Aphrodite after work to have a good old time. I believe in Jesus, but can I go just hang out with my buddies? And Paul's like, no. <laughs> Get new friends. <laughs> Get new friends. <laughs> You're judged by the people you hang out with. Um, do you see what I'm saying? Yep. That's yeah. what's happening. Hey, that podcast fans say that was such a great discussion that we've actually decided to turn this into a several part series talking about controversial Bible verses. So we're going to stop things right here. We're going to come back next week when we dig into Exodus chapter 21 verses 20 and 21. So I want to thank you for joining us this week. Please join us back next time for another riveting episode of that podcast.